0: Uh, if you got your Bibles, t- turn in your Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter 16. I'm starting a new series today entitled, What If I Traded My Church for Livestream? Now this title has made people nervous. Am I against Livestream? No! Lord, no. We talked about it last week, so uh, the answer is no. We know that Livestream is a blessing uh, to many people who are unable to come like last Sunday, as soon as the service was over with, Ruth Shields sent me an email just about the service, and she was so thrilled. She said, I'm not one of our senior adults. I'm not able to be there as much as I can, but was just thrilled with the service today. Ruth, we love you. We're so glad that you listened in. Or we have Jeff Hornsby sent a message. He's going through a health issue right now. Jeff, we love you. We're praying for you. So, uh, no, this is not uh, about that at all. This is just about the local church church, the importance of the local church, the role of the local church. And that's what this series is all about. Uh, what if I traded my church for live stream? I I love the local church, you know, uh, but we're going to talk about through this series, you know, some of the challenges facing the church today. I have a theme passage, uh, Acts chapter nine. It says all over the country, the church grew. They were permeated with a deep sense of of reverence for God. The Holy Spirit was with them, strengthening them and they prospered wonderfully. We'll kind of unpack that verse as well. So in this series, we're going to look at the role of the church. We're going to look at challenges be, presently being faced by the church, the value of the church to, uh, to each believer. Because I love the local church. I love it. I've, I, you know, almost my whole adult life, uh, I've been involved with the, with the local church. And I think that the message of Jesus distributed through the local church is the greatest force of change in the world today. I love the local church. So through this series, you know, we talked about some of that. I'm praying also that you'll just get a a new revelation of the church. We're going to have... Testimonies, and we're going to have a giveaway that we're working on. You'll, uh, we'll announce that in a few weeks. But each week we're going to do a ministry spotlight as well, because part of this series is engaging, you know, uh, in a greater way with some of our ministries. So you saw the booths in the foyer. So I want Becky and the Hertz and Felicia and Julio uh, to come up here really quick. We just want to, we want to spotlight the the different ministries that we have, and I've given them a task. They have one minute per, now Becky because I blew the other one, you have two minutes okay, two <laughs> so uh, Chris and Natasha, they lead our what we call uh, Generations U are college students so tell them, take a moment, tell them about your ministry
1: Hi, I'm Tasha this is Chris, um, nice to see all of y'all, we are the leaders of Gen U, Gen U is a place for college age young adults through their 20s to come and hang out. This is the most connected generation in history, but also the loneliness is real. So as you can see from our shirts, our theme this year is community. So if you're in that age group and you're looking for your tribe or you're looking for that community, um, come see us. We have the best booth there is out in the foyer. Um, There is a cornhole board. Three bags in wins a gift card to Chick-fil-A or McDonald's. Every try gets a snack. Um, there are cards with some of our upcoming events. Today, Several are, a couple are going to the FSU baseball game. This Wednesday, we have a really exciting um, class. We're connecting with the youth, and Pastor Brent and Renee, Brad and Melissa Dancell, and Bo and Megan are playing the newlywed game because we've been doing a relationship series. And then after that, they will become a panel to where you can hit them with questions, dating, engagement, marriage, and hear from some real life people their advice that have kind of walked through what you're going through. Um, we also have other events, pool parties, movie nights, and then finally, I know I'm running out of time, finally, um, during spring break, we're going to take a group of people to the Atlanta Dream Center, and there we're going to work with the homeless in Atlanta the underprivileged kids, and those that are currently walking through sex trafficking. Um, are we going to be a little bit uncomfortable? Absolutely. Will, the, will we may be a little bit scared? Yeah. But we believe if you want to encounter God like you've never encountered Him before, you have to put your situ- yourself in situations that you've not been in before. We are about $1,000 away from our goal. We have to pay next Friday. So if God has laid it on your heart to contribute to that trip, please do so this week because we do have to pay Friday. Thank you.
2: <clears throat> Hi, guys. We're uh, Julio and Felicia Rodriguez. We're in uh, charge of the Spanish ministry. Um, I'm going to say it in English first, and he's going to translate it, so we get two minutes. Um,
3: <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, um, so. You want me to finish? You want me to say it, and then you say everything? Okay. You say, and I say. Because I talk too fast. Okay. Somos uh, Julio y <laughs> Felicia. Uh, servimos al grupo en español, gloria a Dios. Y aquí estamos para servir. Y si hay alguien que habla español, puede unirse a nosotros, gloria a Dios. Y continuar. Uh,
2: so here we love to serve the Spanish.
3: Y nos gusta realmente servir al Señor en, en el habla hispana.
2: We like to have a lot of fun, but we all want to come together on Sunday. So on Sundays, Julio's in the back translating. If you want to pick up headphones, we have them at the sound booth.
3: Tenemos traducción en español todos los domingos. Y audífonos hay en la cabina si alguien desea escuchar el servicio en español. Traducimos, gracias a Dios, ahorita tenemos a la hermana Estela que nos está apoyando también en esto. Y la honra es para Dios.
2: Aleluya. So, for our um, Spanish service, we have um, Fridays, first and third Fridays at 8 p.m. Um, we have it in the next door.
3: También tenemos servicios en español los viernes, el primero y el tercero de cada mes, a las ocho de la noche. Eh, puede re- llegar temprano para tomar un café o algo antes de comenzar el servicio. Serían muy bienvenidos en el nombre de Jesús.
2: So now he's saying things that I didn't say yet. But like So that. at 745, unlike, we like to have church in here. We come, we worship. The only difference is that we like to eat before church. So we always have food, um, light snacks at 745 right before service. And then Julio brings the word of God. And then we talk about different things that we're going to do. Um, also, we have a connect group in Spanish. Um, we're, right now, we're doing the Armor of God by Priscilla Schreier. Um, we like to go out to dinner together. We, we eat a lot.
3: También también tenemos eh, el estudio bíblico eh, todos los eh, domingos, eh, cada 15 días eh, tenemos eh, el estudio bíblico en español, eh, serían bienvenidos si si desean eh, acompañarnos a hablar de la palabra del Señor, gloria a Dios. También nos gusta salir a veces a, a comer entre grupos de hispanos para Conocernos mejor, gloria a Dios. Y.
2: This year we're going to have a cookout and a pool party. Julio didn't know that until just now.
3: No, <laughs> oh, eso sí no lo sabía. Pero vamos a tener eh, eh, un convivio entre hermanos eh, en la piscina, gloria a Dios. Y para compartir juntos todos, esto realmente es para la obra de nuestro Señor Jesucristo. Y. And
2: just so you know, you don't have to speak Spanish to join us because I speak about a first grade level. So you'll you'll be okay if you don't speak Spanish and you want to join us. And just come join us and we'll see you soon.
4: Hey, if you need to step aside, I got this now. Just in case, you need a little rest for a moment. I got it. Just had to take the moment to seize it. Ooh. Yes. Okay. My name is Becky Nugent. I am his wife. <laughs> he, he doesn't abuse other people like this. <laughs> um, <laughs> I lead our chosen ladies' ministry and I love ladies' ministry. If you've been around me for any amount of time, I love ladies and ladies' ministry. And we exist because we believe that every lady is marvelously made, you are wildly loved, and you are chosen for an incredible purpose. Amen? Men, you should definitely say amen to that. So uh, we have events all throughout the year. And this morning, I'm going to spotlight, we have an event coming up. Saturday, April the 4th at 10 a.m., step right up. We're going to transform this place, this sanctuary, into a circus. How many of you feel like you probably live in a three-ring circus, ladies? Anybody with me? You're juggling, you're spinning plates. I was going to (laughs) say you were having knives thrown at you. Some of you may be throwing knives. You definitely need to be there because we are going to have a ton of fun but also we are going to be challenged with some wonderful speakers who will challenge you and give you some life lessons to apply to your life as we learn to step right up. We can't escape the three-ring circus, but we can certainly embrace the chaos and um, we can thrive and survive in the three-ring circus that we live in. So make it a point. Get it on your calendar, Saturday, April the 4th. I provide childcare for you. It's at 10 a.m. in the morning. Um, If you did not get an invite, stop by our booth outside Um, in the foyer. We've got an invite for you. Are you ticking the clock at me? I'm going, I'm going. going. And for those of you, I'm also, I have a giveaway this morning. For those of you that um, put your little ticket in, um, our little thing out there, I'm giving away circus tickets everybody likes to go to the circus. I have four free circus tickets. So here we go and pull your name out. So if you got your ticket, you better get it out. And let's see here. Oh, I can't read the name. That's really small. I need my glasses. Here's the number. Let's do that. I think I can do that. Five, three, zero, four, three, six, Kathy M something. Kathy, are you in here? Kathy, yay. Kathy, you won four free tickets to the circus. See me after church. All right. You want to come back now?
0: I got it. All I right. got it. I got it. I got to land this plane. So, uh, so listen, we appreciate all of our ministries are going to be spotlighting a few of them uh, each week. So uh, go by their booth. If you're a college student, young adult, we want to connect with you. If you know someone that is Hispanic, that is not connected, we want to Uh, Connect, or uh, maybe a lady that's just maybe not connected with the local church. Man, we want our ministries to kind of reach out. Uh, reach out to them. So one thing I love about the local church, there's just funny stuff that happens in the local church. It's just funny, okay? Just you know, it's an unusual collection of people, and there are funny things that happen. You know, when I was I was really young, I was a youth pastor, and I was preaching on Sunday morning. The pastor was out of town. It's always dangerous when the pastor's out of town and the staff pastors are preaching. He wasn't there. I'm just preaching my heart out. I'm about 22. I gave the altar call. Hey, come down if you need the Lord to do something for you. A senior adult lady, she came down. I walked down to her, and I did something I'd seen him do on TV. I said, what do you need the Lord to do for you this morning? And she said, nothing really. I was just going to the bathroom. So (laughs) now let me tell you, I don't care how good a preacher you are. There's no recovery from that, you know. You just shut down the lights and the music and you need to move on. But I I love, I love the local church. Uh, Matthew chapter 16 that I, I referenced in just uh, just a few moments. Uh, Jesus had traveled with the disciples to Caesarea Philippi. And he, uh, you know, Caesarea, I've got a little map there uh, for you. If you've been to Israel, it's, it's about 40 miles north of the Sea of Galilee. So he was doing ministry around Galilee and then he took out uh, toward uh, Caesarea Philippi. And and, and he made a, a statement that we'll just read in just a moment, but I think part of the reason that he went there was that the Canaanites in the Old Testament, they had built a sanctuary to Baal and we've got uh, just kind of a, a, an image of what that would have looked like, the Romans and the Greeks came in this certain area and and built a uh, built temples right there. And then there's another picture. Uh, right behind that first temple is this big cave that they, they said was bottomless. It was a bottomless cave. And they called it the gate of hell because you just could not, you know, you could not uh, get to the depth. So I want to read this. Passage. It says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. I tell you, you are Peter and upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. So there's several things that we can see in this passage. The first of all, it is the official acknowledgement of Jesus concerning him. Being the Messiah. So he kind of referenced it before, but this is the official kind of statement. Yes, I am that fulfillment and, and, and I am the Messiah. The second part, he mentioned the church. And I'm sure they went, What? What are you talking about? Because now we understand this passage in the context of today. But back then, there was nothing when he said church. There was nothing. There was no Christian church. There was was no network of churches. There was no theology, no Bible, nothing. Upon this rock, I'll build my church. You're going to build what? You know, so it was something that was not in existence in that particular time, but he said in future tense, I am going to build this, you know, I'm going to build this church. Maybe they thought, maybe it's kind of roughly like the synagogue system, but really they had no idea of what he was talking about. But I want to tell you, for 2,000 years, he has been building his church. And it started with just a few Believers Kind of rolling a scroll Maybe they had an Old Testament scroll I mean there was nothing printed Until the time of Gutenberg When the press came And the first Bible rolled off the the presses To now we live in the Google age When the Word of God can be downloaded And transmitted around the world And today all across the world There are 37 million Christian churches That are meeting on this particular site Sunday, not a bad start. When he said, I'm going to build his church, folks, he's building his church. He also mentioned, too, that this new church would face tremendous spiritual opposition, okay? Upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That's why he went to that That cave, was the cave of pan that was, you know, looked at as, you know, the, uh, uh, the gate of hell. Well, There's always been spiritual opposition from the cross until this day. But I want you to know the church has survived war. It's survived starvation. It's survived the plague. It's survived dictators. It's survived those that have tried to outlaw it. It's killed the prophets, beheaded the preachers, and stoned the laity. But I want you to know today the church is as strong as it's ever been because today he's still building his church it's still in the process so let's look at the local church the local church the part of Jesus creation that he's building gives us the opportunity to worship God receive encouragement and inspiration from God's word to fellowship and connect with other believers and give opportunities to serve others that I love the local church. That's what, it's, that's what it's all about. The local church is God's plan for believers. He said, I'm going to build my church. I'm going to work, walk this thing out. And you can see the development of it in the early church. The local church is God's plan for believers. God wanted His people gathering regularly and faithfully for the things that I just mentioned a moment ago. The Bible speaks about the priority of the local church man when you start reading the book of Acts you start reading about the hand of God and the work of the Holy Spirit upon upon the early church and I want you to know that the epicenter of what God was doing all through the book of Acts and still today is the local church. There is no substitute for it in the book of Acts. Man, that church was like a dandelion. Man, the wind would blow and those seeds would take off and those churches would plant. So from Acts chapter 2 until the end of the early church, man, there was this spread of the gospel through the through local believers in a local and a local church. We are commanded and designed to enjoy worshiping God. As a gathered community, that's part of the local church. He even said this, Exodus 20. He gives us a day off for this particular particular purpose. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all of your work. But on the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son, Or your daughter, kids, here's an opportunity. If your mom says, clean your rooms, you you could say, hey, but it's the Sabbath. I'm just honoring God. Now, I said you could say that. I don't recommend that, but you could say that. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Look at this. The Lord blessed the Sabbath day, and he made it holy. So there's a day that he set aside for no work for for the church body to come together the sabbath on sunday it is for worship it is for rest and it is for fun and relationships with your family that's why that's why it exists going to give you some challenges to the local church there are external challenges i will not spend a lot of time i've talked about these before secularism and human issue, humanism and issues of Religious freedom are always cultural headwinds of the church that we, you know, there's always a challenge to be able to worship freely and to preach God's word in its entirety. And, and we face the headwinds of the redefinition of marriage and family and sexuality, all of which were a fundamental creation of God. There are all kinds of external cultural headwinds that the church has still facing today. But there's also internally there are challenges as well. Declining attendance and connection with the local church. We face a day where people want Jesus but not the church. They want to they go, hey, I'm, you know, I follow Jesus, but there is very little connection with the body in the church that he is building and has built for their, for their purpose uh, for the, and, and edification. Look at this. Look at these statistics. How often do you attend Sunday services they ask Christians? 23% said weekly, 10% said almost weekly, 12% said about once a month, 24% said seldom. So 69% of the church that they ask attend uh, weekly or less. Just over half of 18 to 35-year-olds attend church at least once a month, 3 in 10 attend less frequently a small group of christians say they used to go to church but no longer do this decline slowly moves people out of the fellowship and out of out of church altogether another 2009 regular worship attenders outnumbered those who attend services only occasionally or not at all today those figures are reversed more americans now say they attend religious services a few times a year or less than say they attended at least monthly. So I'm just telling you, there is a trend, a disturbing trend that people are attending less frequently and they are less connected from the local church body, the church that Jesus said, I am going to build for your edification. So why why is this happening? Why is it happening? Let's look at it. Uh, several, Several things. Number one, more people are experiencing greater affluence. More people are experiencing greater affluence. People in America have more money than they've ever had. And when you have more money, now you have more options. So this is not just rich. This is not just the rich. This is the middle class that has seen, to, you know, has, 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 been, has been blessed and now Wow, cars and homes and travel and all the things that affluence can afford, okay? And it's, it's having an impact upon the local church and the connection with the local church. I want to remind you, we've been reading through Exodus on Wednesday night. When the, when the Hebrews were set free uh, uh, in, in Exodus... The, the command was that the Egyptians would give them gold and silver. So as they left, all the Egyptians gave them all of their gold and silver as they as they left. That was a way to bless and sustain them while they were in the wilderness. It was God's blessing and God's favor. But if you look a few chapters over, they had taken all of the gold and the silver and they had formed a calf, a, a, an idol, out of the gold and silver that God had blessed them with. I want to just say to you this morning, if you've seen an increase in income and and you can look back and give thanks to God for His blessing upon your life, that affluence was not given to you to draw you away from God. That affluence was not given to you to slowly now have options where you are less connected with the church than you've ever been. I want you to see what the writer of Proverbs said because he understood this. He said, give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? All right? So he's he's saying, Lord, don't put anything in my hand that would turn my head from you. And I want to say, man, if God's blessed you and you feel like, and that's you, that blessing, that affluence that God has given is not to draw you away from God. It is to be a blessing to your family, a blessing to others, but not to become, not to become an idol within itself. So it's affluence. Why are people attending less and, and less disconnected? Affluence is one. How about busyness? People are very, very busy today. We thought this in the computer would simplify our life, right? And it hasn't. It It hasn't. It It blurs the lines between home and work. People are very busy, which means they have less time for other activities. So I I, I don't know if you've ever done this. So like you work hard and it's vacation week. All right? If you can just make it till Saturday, you will live. Right? So, has anybody ever done this? It's vacation Saturday. You work Friday. It's vacation. And you leave on your vacation at 6 a.m. on Saturday. Anybody ever done that? We leave early. We we, we leave early. And you vacation hard all week. And you get back home Sunday night about 10 o'clock. Anybody ever done that? I'm going to get everything I can out of this vacation. All right? Have you ever taking the monday off after your vacation to recover from your vacation raise your hand yeah yeah i mean we get everything we've got out of it i mean we live we live busy lives and that's even reflected in our vacation come back home tired we leave tired we come back home tired all right but we're so busy in our life man that that trying to fit a few extra things in our life, especially like church And a lot of times church Because it's static and it's always going to be there People make other options Away from the house of the Lord And the community of believers And there's another part about this too Is that when you're so busy All the time You get tired You get tired You know, we're, we're, we're worn out We don't feel like You know, look, I, we, we had three small kids I know Sunday morning, it's, it's work getting to church. It's work, you know. There's no heavenly breakfast on the table when you walk in from the angels. And, you know, if your kids are ever going to be bad, it's usually on Sunday morning, you know. I, I mean, I, I get that. I get that. But listen to me. Now we don't have any emotional margin. We're already worn out. So sometimes on Sunday morning, we just wave the white flag and just say, I, I don't have the energy and and that has come from the from the busy lives that we that we live that we live now. So people are just really busy and Sunday and church just kind of get squeezed out in the middle of a busy life but with good intentions. This is it, we're not doing that again. Okay? How about something else? How about changing priorities? Changing priorities church has been removed as the top priority on Sunday, all right? It's just another option of many things that people have, okay? I mean, normally, I mean, a lot of people, you know, Sunday was it. Now, Sunday's just one of, Sunday's just one of many things. So, uh, church attendance many times is just a small reflection of our spiritual lives, okay? Listen to me. Because, like, when church attendance dies, it's normally a reflection that there are other things in your life that are dying as well, like your devotional time, your heart for God, your passion for service. And see, church attendance is just one way that we can kind of that we can kind of manage that. So, people who attend church less frequently, they're also less likely to read their Bibles, be involved, to be involved in other things. And it's like the enemy, you know, there are different ways that the enemy can work in your life. You know, like some of you would never just get you to turn your back on God. Okay, but it gets you busy. And it gets you tired. And it gets you less connected, you know, to the, to the church body. Listen to me. So it's not like this overnight, you turn your back on God, but it's the slow drift. It's the slow drift. It's undiscernible even to you, you can't even notice it. But part of that whole thing of spiritual decay, your engagement in church is involved, your engagement in church is involved in that as well. So I would ask some of you today, look back over the last five years in your spiritual life, are you more engaged with the Lord, with the church? Three years, you know, there's this slow drift that occurs, but it, say, it has the same end result, you know? There's spiritual warfare out there everywhere, okay? And we, we need to be careful, and it's just one ploy. So there's changing priorities in our life, and people are intending less. They're becoming less connected. I Back in April, I preached on signs of the return of Jesus, and one of those, and this is not mine, this is Jesus' sign, He said, because of the increase of wickedness, he's talking to the church, the love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. He's saying, because all of this wickedness that we see in the world, I mean, it will have an impact on those in the church if you let it. If you let it. He said, the love of many will become cold. And it's a sign of the... It's a sign of the end time that we that we see you look the passion for worship is gone, your your Bible reading, your passion, your heart for God, and you attend a little bit here and there to kind of make you feel better about, about your own spiritual life, which is almost dead or dying. But sometimes we fool ourselves with, with sporadic church attendance, but yet on the inside, man, we are corrupting and dying. He said it's part of the end times that we have to watch, that we have to watch against. We have to watch against. Why do I need a local church? Why do I need a local church? All right. Ephesians 2:19 said, now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Why do I need a local church? Because you need a family. You need a family. Every child that is born needs a family. Every believer that is born again needs, it needs a family in the church. Is a spiritual family that God that God gives you to, to, to help you in your in your walk with the Lord. We even use the term brother and sister around here. People think we're crazy. All right? The, the term brother or sister is used in the New Testament 157 times. They're calling each other brother and sister because of this family, this, this family thought that they had. Let me just tell you. If your brothers and sisters, you know, all together, that didn't make me Father Nugent. Let me just say that. <laughs> I had somebody ask me that before. Are you Father Nugent? I went, no, only to Kayla, Kelsey, and Kendra. That would, that would be it. So he, he gives you a family. He gives you a family to support you and to love you and to celebrate with you when things are good. And, and there's mutual responsibility just like any family. Mutual responsibility back to each other. And there's all kinds of blessing to being engaged in the local church. And we have differences like every family does, okay? But we work them out. And we stay family because we're united by a greater purpose than just a last name. It is it is, we're, we're all, all all part of the same family because we're followers, we're followers of Jesus. So you need a church family. That's not optional. Every believer needs a family, but you have to make the choice on which local family you have. There are great churches all across Tallahassee. There are wonderful opportunities that you have here. And, and, uh, but I would say, man, if you, if you go here, man, this is your family that we want to we know. We want to know you better. We want to you know, uh, connect with you on a, on a greater way because a Christian without a church you know, is, is like an orphan. You're, you're like an orphan. You're just out there on your own. Sometimes you're hurt and there's nobody, nobody in proximity, relational proximity to pray for you and to comfort you. Sometimes you're, you're distant, from the church and you want to celebrate or, or maybe you have a gift that you want to give, maybe a, a ministry, but there's not the proximity there. You know, he, he doesn't want you to be an orphan. He doesn't call you to be an orphan. He said you're part of the body. You're part of the family, all right? Now, listen, we got a crazy family here. I know that. I know that. I'm the head. That just tells you something about our family. But I want to tell you, we're not a perfect family but this is a good family right here. This is a good family that'll love love you and they'll pray for you and we don't really care what you've been through in your past because we've all been through stuff in our past, so if you feel like, man, I've done too much, not in this house you haven't done too much. We're, We're a house of grace. We're a house of grace here. I want you to know, listen, you need to be part of that family. Don't be a distant part. Go to your family reunions. You see people you hadn't seen once a year. You know, that's not what church is supposed to be about. You see, you see people infrequently. Church is where you come and you're, you're connected and you, you love people and you've made friends and you have community together. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. Fluence has taken some away, busyness is working on all of us. Just trying to squeeze a little time in for the Lord. Changing priorities. But God says, you know, I got a I got a family for you. I got a family for you. I want Tom Overstreet to to come. Tom has a a unique story about the local church and his and his life. Brent worship team, you guys can you guys can come. Would you give Tom a hand this morning? Um, All right. Well, Tom, Tom, you got a unique story about the local church in your life. So you you weren't born in church. You uh, tell us kind of how you came to the Lord, and maybe the role of people in the church in the local church. Well, uh, we
5: I wasn't raised in the church, but uh, I was playing baseball with a lot of the guys that came here. I didn't know that at the time, but my brother had started coming here, and uh, Richard Hodges was the youth pastor, and one we had a beach cottage and. We were all down there on a Friday night, and they were all coming back to church on a Friday night, and I wasn't very good back then. I I couldn't believe people would come to church. But anyway, I came, and they were having a singing group. Was that this uh, church? At this this church,
0: church,
5: and uh, they sat me on the front row. I knew nothing about church. I'd never heard of a Pentecostal church or anything, and so I sat there in this group singing and people started praying and they started praying out loud right behind me and I'm going, oh, something's... <laughs> and they're all praying and they got smiles on their face. And they, so anyway, a guy came up and asked. We all went down to the altar yeah. and a guy came up to me and he said, how long have you been saved? I had no clue what he's talking about. Never even heard the word salvation or anything. And, and I said, oh, a couple of months. Yeah. And... Uh, Well, the agreement was Richard would drive me all the way back to Alligator Point that night. And he did. But the whole way back, he explained to me the story of salvation. And I didn't get saved, but I started coming. And that summer, uh, in a
0: revival, I got saved. Pentecostal revival. Tom gets saved. The local church provided the staff that reached out to Tom. Single, that's your wife. Yeah, we With were in the church. choir, Paul and I. Yeah, and they uh, their church
5: they were looking for another church and they walked in and I told him, I said, Man, <laughs> that's a pretty girl. And uh, <laughs> but I was shy and I didn't say anything. And so Paul said, Don't worry, we're gonna go. I know yeah. we'll go visit. We went and visited that week, it wasn't them, yeah. so <laughs> I said, We'll never see them again. But she came back the next week and uh, we started dating about two she weeks didn't later. Want, she knew what she yep. was missing there. She knew, but uh, we'll be married 39 years this year. Amen.
0: <laughs> Met your wife in church, married in the church, have kids, and you start bringing them to church and children's ministry, youth ministry. Yep. Um, I mean, back then, churches like we were saying is a lot
5: different. I Wednesday night, twice Sunday, usually during the week, we were helping with the youth. But our kids, we had an amazing youth and toddlers, and they they were raised, they were here all the time. And the foundation that our kids got here, um, you know, as they got older, you know, they went and did their own thing. But every one of them loved God today and are serving God. And it's so important the role of the youth ministry when they were teenagers? Uh, we had some amazing youth pastors just like we do. And um, our kids were here all the time. I know Ryan used to say, my gosh, that's we're at church all the time. But we were at church. Church was our life. and uh, But uh, the amount of time that was invested in our kids by this church,
0: um, it pays dividends. We're in church today. Yes, today. We've got three grandkids. So now we're a different generation here. Your grandpa senior kids and the children's ministry talk about talk about that. Well,
5: today I feel that the church is it's even tougher. It's uh, the church is constantly under attack. You know uh, everything we hear on the news, anywhere else, it's if you're a Christian you're must be bigoted, you must be this or that, there's nothing positive, and Di and I, we had talked to Ryan and Lex, and we had told them, those kids, they're going to be in church, and, but they felt the same way, because this is where the foundation comes, and there's enough stuff out there that's going to pull them away, I mean, you know what's going to happen. Foundation that they get, and already the toddlers and the nursery people, Castle and Berlin, and now Gates, they they love coming here, and I can't wait for them to get into uh children's class. But I know that they'll be taught the foundation. That's because we're not going to be here. I mean, you know, uh, there'll be a time that you know Papa's not going to be there, and uh, but we know that they're going to they're going to get the foundation that they need. It's so you
0: seen the role of the local church in his salvation, his marriage, children dedicated to the Lord, children's ministry, youth ministry. Got a grand grandpa got his kids in in uh, kids ministry today. So I'm just telling you, over the course of your life, there is a benefit and a blessing for your life to be engaged in the local church. Some. What would you say to someone who they may attend a little bit, haven't really maybe kind of fallen away, or being there just haven't really engaged like they should? What would you say to that individual well, I, was, I was thinking about that because
5: in my life, how important the church has been. And many times where I have fallen away, and if it hadn't have been for my church, I wouldn't be here. I know. I've had people just call or come when I needed them, you know, and you can't get that anywhere else, you uh, to, to have friends and, and people that you trust, but that you know that they love God and they, they want them, and and they, they, they don't judge, because uh, like you said, we've all done things that we've really been embarrassed about and wish we always take back but uh, if I could just say one thing I was in college and you know I, I love God but there was I played baseball and I had, there was not a Christian on the team and you know you go away for school and you do things and you know after a while I, I just drifted away you know and I was really struggling getting ready to do something I shouldn't have done and Paul Shields pulled up at my door, 300 miles away. He said, God told me to come. And, you know, I don't know what would have happened. But that's what the local church...
0: I love the local church. I love the local church. I've given all my adult life to the local church. All my adult life. It's what I do every day. It's what I do every day. Jesus has built this thing. Take advantage of it. I'm telling you, it will pay you dividends in this life and the life to come. And with parents, I want to say take advantage of it there's a foundation that's laid in the hearts of your kids long after they've left your home. That foundation is still there and that comes from the local church, the local church. You just bow your heads with me. I want to close this morning. <clears throat> hey, I just want to talk to you for a minute. In your life, maybe you look back over the last several years, and man, it's just you know, just kind of maybe maybe church attendance is one way that you kind of gauge it, but there's some other things going on in your your spiritual life, and man, it's just kind of been it's been unintentional, but it's just kind of been this little drift away from the Lord, the passion that you you had, and you look, I'm just telling you, that's a warning sign to you. This. This message this morning, it's a warning sign to you today. If that's you, you say, hey, Pastor, I just, I I need to reverse kind of this direction in my life this morning. Would you you pray for me? Really quick, just raise your hand up and down. Really quick and just say, pray for me this morning. Just pray for me. Thank you. Thank you. Just real quick, up and down. Say, Pastor, pray for me today. Just God... I need to reverse some things in my life. I'm headed kind of a wrong...